and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Welcome to the new year, 2018. It's just unbelievable, isn't it? Yet, we must believe. (laughs) We must believe that time passes and is marked the way we mark it. Yes, indeed. New beginnings, new endings, at least we have this in common. Novelty. Something always new. You know, it's very exciting. I mean, we've had such a rough and tumble year in the United States. And, you know, if the United States is having a bit of a rough time, a little indigestion, it appears that so is the rest of the world. And I love the fact that we've got some wonderful people in the far reaches of our beautiful planet listening in here from Australia and South Africa and the UK and different parts of Europe and Asia and South America. It's just Canada, of course, our dear neighbors to the north. You know, it just helps me see that our conversation really needs to be global. And it's also true that when I speak locally, um, it's with an eye toward the global uh, landscape. I just, I think you know that by now, those of you who listen uh, week by week, that I'm always taking everything into consideration. I don't even stop at the planet, to tell you the truth. Um, No, honestly, I think that that's really the nature of holistic thinking, or another way of putting that is systems thinking. And if we're going to get out of this mess, this corner that we have painted ourselves into, uh, it's going to be by holistic and systems thinking. Synthetic thinking is another way of uh, expressing some of it. Quantum thinking is yet another way of putting it. These are ideas that not quantum as in Actually, the tiniest increment of anything is a quantum. Interesting. And so you line up a few of those and you get a quanta. But interestingly, what it means when we talk about a quantum leap is this idea. If you change one thing, everything has changed. Do you know if you have a kaleidoscope and you're looking at some beautiful fractal mandala type of image, and you just shift the lens by a 32nd of an inch or a micromillimeter, changed everything. And that, in fact, is really the way the universe operates. Change one thing, change everything. Now, you could say, like, what's the actual meaning of that? Is that actually relevant? The amount of change is so minute. Where does it register? It's a good question. So thank you for asking. Uh, You know, at the same time, we live in between worlds. We live, on one hand, In our bodies, we are living this subjective reality of our sensory experience 
and that's all well and good and beautiful and just as it should be. And at the same time, without a moment's notice, because of the preciousness and sacredness, I will say, of our imagination, we can utterly expand our view, our perspective, our consciousness to be galactic or utterly, completely cosmic, such as universal. Cosmos, in the true sense of the etymology, goes back to the Greek, and it really means world. But what, we, what do we mean when we say world? That's actually a question that was seminal to the work of George Ivanovich Gurdjieff, also referred to, or I should say pronounced as Gurdjieff, from Armenia originally, Greek mother, Armenian father, born to a father who was part of a lineage, a storytelling lineage, going back to Babylon, unbroken, yep, right into the 19th and 20th century. Phenomenal, isn't it? So, there are these pockets in the world of these truly ancient cultures that survive through storytelling, through, you know, teaching their youth, their children, their progeny, uh, the art of poetry, of epic poetry, and passing it on sort of in the Homeric style. It's really extraordinary. And it makes me a little sad that kids these days, my God, it makes me feel old. I'm just 39 with Jack Benny. But kids these days who are raised on the screen, on the monitor, don't necessarily have a clue of what it is I'm talking about. And that, honestly, it saddens me because I feel that there is a fundamental foundational education that people should really have in their own native language, in a second or third language, at least familiarity with the roots of languages in the family of languages from which they speak, uh, and a sense of history and anthropology. It just, you know, it just makes sense. And I really am concerned that not enough people these days are getting these kinds of uh, learnings and this kind of exposure and education. But enough of that for the moment. Enough of that. I want to welcome everyone from all corners of the planet to a better world. That is a theme, an archetype that unites us no matter where we are. We have listeners in Mexico. I love it. Hola, todo el mundo. It's fantastic. And yes, I'm working at learning more Espanol. So if any of you are kind enough to send me an email at mjr at a better world on mundo mejor dot net and uh, help me, ayudarme with my uh, Spanish, that would be fantastic. So <laughs> that aside, coming back to this idea 
of new beginnings and possibilities because those of you who receive the newsletter uh, know that that is the subject of today as well it should be because we're just in our uh, just beginning of our second week of the new year and it's on everybody's mind that we're in a new year and we are really trying to shed a lot of the pain and stress and suffering that 2017 brought us. Uh, and in no small measure, I dare say, from the uh, occupant of the Oval Office in the White House in Washington, D.C. of the United States of America, and the people that he uh, appointed to the cabinet that our Congress uh, confirmed the positions of and a new appointee in the Supreme Court. Now, this may all seem local, but I have a sense that y'all have some idea of what it is I am referring to. And it's a political drama that has effects everywhere in the world, just take, for instance, this North Korea debacle. I mean, there are not people in high office, perhaps with the exception of the current president in the Philippines, who speaks so coarsely and so crudely and so brashly to other uh, leaders and heads of state or to people in their own uh, cabinets or congresses or parliaments as what we have here in the United States with Donald J. Trump. I just don't get it. You would think he was raised in a, in a sewer, for crying out loud, with the kind of language and anger and vitriol that he engages all the time. Todo el tiempo. This is what goes on here. And we who are bearing witness close up and personal, so to speak, it's very, very concerning and very disconcerting and extremely heartbreaking. You should all really know that the American people, by and large, are nothing short of horrified at what we see actually happening, going down daily in our country, on every level, literally every level. And it is uh, a destructive force. However, and this is where new beginnings enter. Bienvenidos aquí, ahora. What I mean is, welcome to the new year and the new possibilities, because they really are populating our planet. What do I mean by that? When you have, and, and some of it is literally originating from him, as well as from the issues around climate change. So, specifically, when you have someone who is that extreme in his position and point of view and loud about it and coarse and crude about it as he is, it ends up bringing forth reaction 
of everyone. Meaning, it's a polarization that happens. He says no, let's say, to immigration, and everyone else says yes. Not everyone, you know, please indulge my generalization. But a vast majority of Americans are all for a balanced immigration from Mexico, from all over Central America, South America, and all over the world. Asia, Europe, Eastern Europe, Africa, a balanced policy. Everybody can't move to another country, whether it's the United States or France or England or Germany or Yugoslavia or Greece. No, it's not possible. There has to be some measure of of and moderation when it comes to these things. Of course, that's not what well, he doesn't know that word, moderation. He's too smart, of course. Uh, but interestingly, because his perspective, for instance, on this whole ridiculous idea of the wall, um, brings people to the absolute opposite side. I went to a conference this past summer uh, in Times Square, actually, at the uh, Thomson Reuters building, you know, Reuters Press. Um, and it was a green investment conference. Very interesting. And one of the gentlemen that was speaking and moderating a panel said, you know, since Trump has been in office, we have seen a major influx of money coming into green funds, that's renewable energy funds, that's green startups, etc. Massive amounts, like billions of dollars coming in, flooding it. And we have him to thank. So it's like, what? How could that be? That's right. Fear. Fear, once he pulled out of the Paris Climate Conference, Fear that he put Scott Pruitt in as uh, head of the uh, EPA. This fellow hates the EPA. He sued it 14 times. He's a gas and oil man. And he virtually despises what's actually going on with the green solar wind movement in this country and in the world. And it's enormous what's going on. It's enormous. And he detests it and fights it tooth and nail, even though that's where the economy is. It's called the green economy. Ben Jones wrote a book about it years ago. We've all known about it. Economist and futurist Hazel Henderson has been talking about this for 40 years. This isn't new, folks. But what's going on now, it's becoming intensified and amplified. So... That's our current condition. But my point is that we have some new beginnings and new possibilities because of the extremeness of our current administration. It's winning by default almost in a way. So it's just interesting to look at these human dynamics and the way they work. It's sort of like the physics of human relationship, if you will. One person says one thing, and you have a certain feeling about that person, and you go to the opposite side. Now, 
it may be smart to do that. It may not be smart. You know, that is, uh, you have to look at the content of the subject. But it's like, you know, the uh, terrible twos of children. It's like when uh, boys and girls and their hormones start flowing at ages 12, 13, and 14. They're rebellious. They are uh, recalcitrant. They are doing whatever they can to oppose what is perceived as the status quo represented by the parents. So um, this is the kind of phenomenon that occurs, and we're seeing it happen on a systemic level right now in this country. So another interesting new beginning is this whole matter of sexual harassment, you know, of course, largely of women and women's rights as well as women's pay in the workplace. And all of this has just come to the surface. Well, what was one of the main characteristics or uh, main reasons it has come to the foreground? Well, anyone want to weigh in here? Uh, Because the president himself has been accused by some 16 to 20 women that we know about that have become, you know, public that he himself has harassed them, sexually harassed, you know, taking advantage. The, the Billy Bush video that you've probably seen where he is speaking like a real low-class guy in a high school, junior high school locker room. Uh, it's just pathetic. Can guys talk like this sometimes at some point in our past? I mean, you know, let's be honest. You know, we as a gender can be pretty crude, but we're usually having passed out of that. We've usually passed out of that by age 15 or 16 or certainly 17 you know, you really don't want to even carry that into high school. It's a hormonal, reactive, uneducated, uh, kind of impulsive type of hungry, sexually hungry, hormonally hungry conversation. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. If Donald Trump were 14 years old and speaking like he was, uh, you know, trying to uh, score, so to speak, okay, all right, okay, cut the guy a break, he's a kid, but he's not a kid, when he did this, said this, he was 70 years old, he's not a kid at all, it's an embarrassment, so, what has come of it, well, the Me Too movement, an enormous movement in Hollywood, we just saw at the Golden Globes, uh, a swelling, as it were, of interest, all the women there were wearing black virtually to a to a person, and that's still going on now in Congress uh, to honor women. It's really interesting what's going on. This movement has really gained steam. Uh, you know the whole thing with uh, Harvey uh, Firestein and all of that has just been phenomenal. And it started with, I'm suggesting, our president, who, interestingly, based on some new reports that maybe all of you in other countries haven't heard yet, 
he had no thought that he was going to win the presidency, and he actually had no interest in winning either. This was basically a publicity stunt for the for the for the Trump brand, Trump stakes, Trump University, Trump towers, Trump ties, Trump shirts. I think there's Trump coffee and chocolate. I don't know. I mean, this was basically an international advertisement. He doesn't know the least thing about running a country. He doesn't know the least thing about really running a company. And I know that sounds odd. He's made so much money. Well, if you really step back and look at how he's made money, he started with a bundle of it. He started with millions in his own family. And then, yeah, he made a couple of uh, what you could call real estate smart acquisitions and sales, and that bolstered him. But when you really look at the larger view of his business enterprises, with some exceptions, give credit where credit is, by and large, he was making money not from the uh, from the successful um, revenue stream from a casino, for instance, in Atlantis, Atlantic City or Las Vegas. He was making money from going bankrupt and leaving hundreds of vendors, no doubt, hundreds of vendors, high and dry, and leaving banks high and dry, as well as his investors, and putting whatever last monies existed in his own pocket at everyone's expense. And this is called business, good business? No, 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 no. This is called theft. That's what it is. It's theft. And, you know, his big boys uh, in office, Ross and Mnuchin, his cabinet members, made money from kicking people out of their houses and foreclosing on the house and picking them up for dirt cheap from the banks and at auction. <laughs> is that, this is like, you know, this is like, uh, you know, um, what is the word? Um, ground feeders. What's the word? Uh, you know, like lobsters and those, uh, I'm losing the word right now. Uh, bottom feeders, bottom feeders. It's, it's, you know, it's low class way of making money, you know, debt and taking advantage of people's hard times. There's another way to do business, my friends, and we all know it. And it's the world of social enterprise. And it's growing in leaps and bounds all over the world. It's beautiful to see. And its essence, its essence is doing good and doing well. By doing good, you will do well. That's the fundamental axis and axiom of that whole social enterprise movement. It's got human and environmental ecosystemic values at heart, at base, at core, out of which one can and darn well should make a profit. So it is within the capitalist paradigm, but the capitalist paradigm can, because it's in the hands of humans, there's nothing that has to say that the belief system that more is better has to continue on. 
It's not a sustainable paradigm. It's not a sustainable belief system. So why continue to feed it? So in my worldview, capitalism is not the enemy. That's not the issue. People's greed and fear and foolishness, those are the enemy. Because anybody can balance and manage anything with prudence and care and responsibility and accountability and integrity and wisdom if they choose. Now, how does it work best? When there's a consensus around it, when you're not the only one in town that's acting that way, if you're, you know, a fish around sharks, it's going to be awfully hard to sustain. And that's the problem. We're dealing with a group, a collective consciousness that embraces these same horrid values of America first, <laughs> um, uh, me instead of you, that kind of thing. More is better. Uh, money and gain at any expense. I mean, these are just actually pathological perspectives. And I think we need to really, all of us need to see that that's the case. Of course, everybody wants some abundance in their lives. I, I've been saying for decades, you know, I'm very, very wealthy. Someday I'll even have some money. So how do we measure wealth, my friends? We measure wealth by our hearts, by our love, by our friendships, by our relationship with the larger whole, with the divine, with nature, with animals, with our families. This is where we really experience wealth with a healthy body. Oh my God, that's true wealth. Health is wealth. And because of the actual setup of our society, you better have some money too. You know, some shekels of dinero. You know, otherwise the whole thing does not flow well. Now, do we want to change that? Well, that's an interesting conversation. And cryptocurrencies, for one, Bitcoin is having some effect on that change. And uh, we at A Better World have been certainly exploring that because everyone needs to, because it's in its infancy right now. And there's much to be gained in the blockchain technology that's underneath and behind um, the cryptocurrency world is particularly interesting to businesses and is gaining in momentum rapidly. So just to bring that to your attention, there are increasing numbers of investment possibilities in what's called the blockchain, which is a bit of a strange name. It's slightly a misnomer, but my understanding of it, and if anyone understands it better out there, please weigh in and let me know. You can call in at 602, uh, what is the number anyway, 602-753-1860, 602-753-1860, or drop me an email at mjr at abetterworld.net. So we're talking about new beginnings. Uh, first of all, I just want to let you know you are listening to Mitchell J. Rabin on A Better World Radio, on Blog Talk Radio. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m., as well as around 
different times during the week. There are some guests I have that aren't able to make it at this time, so I'll interview them at other times. Um, but I always work to show if it's at an off day and time, uh, parked right here at Wednesdays at 6 p.m. New York time, Big Apple time. So you can have that to rely on. And I know, I do, that you listen at your leisure, and uh, as well it should be. So whether you are driving home from work and you're listening to some podcasts, as we call them, or you are on the treadmill or the bicycle or you're walking down the street with your headphone on and and your uh, cell phone in your pocket, whatever the arrangement may be, or lounging on your living room couch and decided that you really want to hear this week's episode of A Better World. All of it is wonderful, and I really encourage you to take these shows, these radio programs, and uh, forward them to your friends and your family and your associates and let them get the benefits of uh, this kind of thinking. So on one hand, I'm always including content that is worth, you know, thinking about and considering as a way of expanding your mind and your possibilities. And also um, just the idea that we can expand and we ought to expand rapidly um, because, and I don't mean our waistline, I mean our mind and our hearts. And that, in fact, is the space that we're going into in this new cycle. Um, a colleague and dear friend, David Katzmeyer, who does a, uh, a whole work called Calorhythms, I've had him on the show numerous times, uh, says that this is a cycle that we're going into of an emotional upswing, uptick, and it con contains the increase of compassion. Now you can say, where the hell is it? I want some myself. I'm not getting much. You know, it may have that appearance, but overall, systemically, we are seeing an uptick in compassion, patience, and understanding, good cheer, goodwill, people ready and willing to help each other, not rip each other off, and all that stuff. So that's why it's such an anomaly that this would be our president instead of who I wanted to be president of the United States, who was Jill Stein of the Green Party, who I felt is the most balanced the most integrity-based, and what can I say? That's what I wanted. And second to her would be Bernie Sanders, who is also very caring, very compassionate, beautiful guy, tons of integrity, who is able to give voice to the needy and the downtrodden and the suppressed and the repressed and the depressed, and the oppressed. Um, and so I, I love Bernie as well. I really do. I would have loved to see Bernie as president and Jill Stein as vice president, to tell you the real truth. That strikes me. He's a seasoned politician. She is not. 
but she is a doctor, and she's got her head on straight about a lot of things. And uh, even straighter when it comes to international policy than I felt Bernie has, and I felt that she could help him with that tremendously, as well as with some intricacies of holistic health care. I mean, one of the jokes about what's going on is this is all based on an old medical model. Drugs, surgeries, machines, all of this stuff is so old world in so many ways. Don't get me wrong. There are some medications that are really life-saving, and I acknowledge that. There are surgeries and surgeons that are very life-saving. Life-saving. I acknowledge that. There are machines that are fantastic. I use one of them. It's called the life system, the biofeedback system, where I've worked with people all across the world. I've had clients in Australia and Europe and elsewhere across the world. So uh, India. Um, So it's not these things in themselves at all that I am taking issue with. I am taking issue with a massive, monolithic, pharmaceutical, hospital, insurance industry that does not seem to give a hoot or care a whit about people's health, really. I don't mean not being sick. I mean real, radiant health that is self-generated, that is generated from quality food and quality air and quality pure clean water and healthy habits and low stress and lots of movement and motion and dance and exercise. Now, good educations across the board, holistic education. You see the picture that's emerging You know, that is the kind of world we could really have. So it's not reactive, but it's, as we say, proactive, that we personally engage in the care and responsibility of our own health. And then, God forbid, we should need some help along the way um, with a broken arm or a leg or an accident of some sort, you know, and then we need medical attention, emergency medical attention, or what have you, then God knows, go for it, man. You know, that's great. There's no problem with it. But when you have people who go to the doctor because they just blew their nose three times in a row and they're concerned about their health, or they're breathing foul, toxic air because they live next to an oil refinery, or something of that sort, or they're drinking polluted water because there's a chemical corporation upstream that's dumping into Flint, Michigan's water, for instance. You know, we go, wait a minute. Then those extreme measures seem to require extreme measures, countermeasures on the other side, which cost a fortune and set us up for disaster. You know, I really love the phrases, the phrase of uh, John F. Kennedy. Ask not 
what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And it's got a resonance to it, you know, that I think we ought to be paying attention to. And it allows for people to start of themselves and stop being the center of everything all the time and come forward in a way that is just valuable to society. In other words, how do we give back? How do we give back? We need to take, we need to receive, we need to sustain, and then we need to give back. In fact, you can even give back by. You can even sustain by giving back. That's what I mean to say, like the whole social enterprise model I was speaking about before. And government, hello, government, isn't it there to serve us? Isn't that what its only purpose is? It has no self-interest in itself, hypothetically. But look at what goes on. It's enough to make you cry. It is an abuse of power that goes on day by day, an abuse of our money, our hard-earned money that's going to taxes, to a war machine, to kill people, to, to proliferate, really, death. I hate to say it, but, you know, we all know it's true, and I've been on this case for literally decades. This is not new. I mean, the relationship of the United States to Saudi Arabia, I mean, it's an outrage. It's an insult to our moral intelligence, let alone everything else. Anyway, um, we do have new beginnings going on. I want to share one that I just came across uh, as recently as last night, which just completely titillated me. And that is there are some scientists and real brainy creative types that have come up with a way to extract carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. I don't mean you don't want to extract all of it, but you do want to extract the excess because that's what leads to um, global warming. Greenhouse gases getting trapped in the lower atmosphere due to excess CO2. And that's what then leads into climate change. Now, people ask this question. Doesn't climate change happen always in the entire history of the planet? And we know the answer to that. That was easy. Of course. Planet, I mean, climate change is happening always. That's not the question. How are we, how are we accelerating it? How are we, even put that aside, how are we poisoning ourselves with contaminants of the most complex types, plastics in the ocean are strangling fish, tying them up, tuna, every single kind of fish. They are becoming strangulated. The amount of pollution in the air, in the water of the soil, the depletion of minerals in the soil going back in the United States to 1933. This is not a new phenomenon, folks. This is an old one that we keep ignoring, and then guess what? It catches up with us, and it bites us in the you-know-what. And indeed, of course, that's what's happening. So it's sad. It's actually rather tragic. And we are 
needing to really come together. And that's why this show exists. It exists to talk to you about what I know of what is going on and to plead, basically, with y'all about taking an active role in your personal health and your family's health and the health of your community on the physical level, on the emotional level, on the psychological level, on the spiritual level, and on the um, nutritional, the geo level, the Gaia level, the climatic, environmental level, the ecosystemic level. All of these comprise our lives. All of these different points of focus. And it's exciting because we can move from one to the other like an accordion. It's amazing. Zoom in, zoom out. Zoom in, zoom out. And that's what we really have to do and if we're going to really be taking care of each other. And that's at the end of the day what we've got to do. What was it? Uh, Reverend uh, Jesse Jackson's line. We may have all take, taken different boats here, but we're all in the same boat now. <laughs> I love that phrase. So, I want to come back to what I was just saying. There is this technology that can extract the CO2 from the air and in so doing rapidly with a very small footprint, in fact, change the climatic conditions, get us under the 350 level parts per million that uh, is talked about in 350.org. Um, Bill McKibben and that whole wonderful work and it can happen we need funding I'm looking to have the uh, scientist on this radio show in short order you know I've had people doing solar on I've had people doing wind on I've had people who are environmental scientists and we're in deep deep trouble and so that's why we focus a lot on personal health and environmental health here on this show. And the politics conversation really just kind of gets in our way. It slows us down instead of helps to lift us and move us forward. But I feel like I've just got to address it, so indulge me. Thank you for that said indulgence. Uh, so I love to see what's going on. I'm familiar with products that are really changing people's lives. I've had Kat James on, whose dietary approach is changing people's lives, that we are really designed to be fat burners, not sugar burners. And our current infatuation with sugar is largely a matter of marketing and propaganda of commercial interests at the expense of health, not about respecting and honoring human biology and physiology. What did I just say? Did you get that? Yeah. We've been brainwashed, folks, to believing that sugar is good and fats are bad, when it is, in fact, just the opposite, other way around. I'm not going to go into great depth about that right now, but you can go back to listen in the archive to my interviews with Kat James and others over time. But she really cinches it like no one I know. And it's just fascinating to learn. And I was in Florida with her 
in early December, uh, attending her retreat and teaching there too, um, and absorbing her intelligence and knowledge on the subject. So I really recommend you going to informedbeauty.com, informedbeauty.com, and when you write to her, tell her I sent you. Okay? Now, uh, I want to just make reference to uh, Paul Hawken and uh, Blessed Unrest, a book he wrote. He wrote the book called The Ecology of Commerce many years ago, back in the 70s, making the business case for doing things right. (laughs) Why is that so difficult, my friends? You know, I've got my explanations for that. These are troubled people who did not get enough love as children or even in the womb for that matter and their families were troubled and there was a huge amount of unresolved conflict and not proper mediation and not proper hugging and loving and affection and touching which builds oxytocin which helps to build self-confidence you see how it's all connected And you think it's funny that I would be talking about uh, Trump and his cabinet and even many, many captains of industry who don't really give a hoot about much more than their own bottom line and the company's bottom line and the shareholder's bottom line. And they aren't paying attention to the damage being done for generations the way the native peoples all over the planet have been doing. God bless them. So we're inheriting... A mess. We've got trouble here in River City, my friends, and it needs to be turned around. And I know that my audience, both on radio and TV, get this message, and they really want to um, perpetuate this message. And the heart underneath it and behind it in their own lives and in their own families and their own communities. And I really, I press you to do it. I encourage you, I invite you, and I press you to do so. Now, talk about pressing. I'm going to wrap up with uh, a couple of, I want to offer you all a $50 gift certificate if you choose to use it. Um, And you may. It's $50 on us here at A Better World. And that happens if you want to Start a new beginning, a new possibility for your own radiant health and well-being. And that can happen through a product line called Purium. That's P-U-R-I-U-M. P-U-R-I-U. To the website, mypuriumgift.com. My www.mypuriumgift.com and yes, you must place an order for $75 USD or more easy to do and worth every penny you will be able to apply this $50 gift coming from a better world so at checkout where it says coupon or code Put in a better world as one word, a better world. And that 
there will be $50 deducted from your order. As I said, your order must be over $75. And then go to mypuriumgift.com or ishoppurium.com. It's pretty much the same thing. Uh, I'd say go to the former first and put in that code at checkout and $50 USD will be knocked off your bill. So that's a thank you to you for playing our game, listening to A Better World week after week, sharing it with your friends and family and colleagues, and just be parting part of what's going on here energetically. And what's interesting is there is a wonderful business opportunity that is embedded in this. And if you wanted that and you wanted to help make a difference in the health of hundreds and thousands of people across our country and across the world, let me know. Simply write to me and again, put the word Purium into the subject line and email me at mjr at abetterworld.net. You have that, mjr at abetterworld.net. Last way, and by the way, any item you buy there is, Purium is virtually making a donation to a better world. And now, guess what? Amazon will do the same thing. If Jeff Bezos wants to help a better world, and he helps us when you shop at Amazon through our portal, and it's easy. Just go to our website when you've gone to sign up for the newsletter anyway, or make a direct donation, which is always welcome, through friends and family on PayPal, of any size, by the way. All helps us. It really does. We need so much administrative and video editing help and the like here as interns at a better world down in the middle of Manhattan, downtown, and you help us. So go to a betterworld.tv and right under the photographic carousel, you can't miss it, it says Amazon and uh, click here. And if you go into that link and then click on the image that says connect, shop, enjoy. That will allow you to enter Amazon. The prices are the same. And shop your heart out. <laughs> Whatever you buy through that portal, Jeff Bezos, billionaire, gives us a wee little bit, a little gift, a little donation. But those add up whether you're buying a toothbrush or a car, a pair of clothes or food, anything, a book or a DVD, we benefit from it. And that helps us pay our interns and keeps us sustained. So thank you, thank you. It's so appreciative, appreciated. And if you would pass that on also to your friends and family, you have no idea how helpful that really is. So I want to just say, I think you're getting the notion 
that we are on the verge of tremendously new beginnings and possibilities, uh, even though the world looks sometimes wretched and there is way too much suffering and it breaks all of our hearts to see the suffering on so many levels. And I'm suggesting it's based on greed, which is emergent from a earlier life, a childhood life, an infant's life, even a prenatal life that was not surrounded by God's greatest gift to us all, which is love. Our greatest biological gift, I will say as well, our greatest spiritual gift is love and kindness. That's an expression of love. Patience, another one. Compassion, another one. And biologically, oxytocin, yet another one. And if we have these emergent in our lives, we are uh, assuaging, we are neutralizing the tendencies to be a bully, to be self-aggrandizing, to be overly acquisitive, to be me, 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 me. Do you see how it works? When there's love, there's a feeling of satiety. You reach a point of, wow, the world is so good. Instead of, i got to get what I need for myself. Otherwise, I die. That is poison. Literally, and with adrenaline and cortisol, it poisons our blood. And that means it's poisoning our bloodline. Think about it. There are true generational ramifications. And it's adversely affecting our DNA, which is also what's making our body moment to moment and making the bodies of our progeny. You see how everything's connected, going back to that kaleidoscope image? I hope you see that. Anyway, I just want to also say that, uh, of course, I offer counseling and coaching and consulting uh, services on uh, business level, on personal levels. It's life coaching. It's communication coaching. It's sometimes letter writing for those courageously difficult challenging conversations or letters that have to be written and done. Communication, let's put it that way. There's a healthy way to communicate and there's a horrible way to communicate and you know what we focus on here. So these are some of the skills. We also have something called the Harmonic Energetic Balancing Program that we've been offering for, oh my God, 18 years now. And it's a very interesting thing where we take your photograph and we put it into our specialized computer for this into a software program I should say and that software program is embedded with frequencies that are all in a binary computer language but they are homeopathic remedies they are flower essences they are a series of different kinds of healing energy balancing um, kind of modalities that are embedded, including our language, including our affirmations. And those interface with our holographic self, which is embedded in the photograph. And that interface between those frequencies and our photograph brings about a cleansing and a healing. So that we have as well 
that starts at $600 for the whole year, whole year, 24-7. And then as you stay on year after year, it drops by $50 down to a certain base level of, I think it's uh, 400 or 350 So it's a very interesting thing. We've had people on this who've just adored it. It's a hands-off, powerful, subtle way of healing. And, of course, I do couples counseling and family counseling and individual counseling. So all of that is available at www.mitchellrabin.com, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-R-A-B-I-N.com, or for our media and some of our other things, www.abetterworld.tv. I'm so glad that you joined me for today's show. And I look forward to seeing you all next week.